Consecration to God is acceptable. That is, it is well-pleasing to Him. Welcome to Kingdom Living, a broadcast ministry of author and speaker Shanti Young, Senior Pastor of Second Liberty Baptist Church in Quentin, Virginia. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Young. Romans 12, starting at verse 1. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For a few moments this morning, I'm going to preach from the subject, a call to consecration. Consecrate is to make or declare something typically a church sacred or to dedicate formally to a religious or divine purpose. In Romans chapters 1 through 8, Paul developed the theme of God's plan of salvation. In chapters 9 through 11, he confronted the special problem of Jewish unbelief. And in Romans 12 through 16, which we can consider the practical session, he exhorts that salvation by grace through faith obligates the believer to consecration to God and to Christian conduct towards others. Living the Christian life is more than just religion. It's a lifestyle that we should partake of. Some believe that if you eat donuts all week long and you drink a Diet Coke, it's not going to help you at all. If you've operated apart from grace all week long, showing up at church on Sunday will not help you. Coming to church will make you feel better, but it doesn't solve your problems. For Paul, the justification of sinners from the penalty of sin through grace was unthinkable apart from the regeneration that delivered them from the love of sin and resulted in love for the Savior. It is also true, however, that the saved person needs continual exhortation to live the saved life. Many of us could testify to the fact that sometimes we don't want to live holy. Sometimes it gets to a point in our lives that we don't always necessarily want to do what is right because of different situations and circumstances that we might experience. Sometimes we may want to tell somebody off. Sometimes we might want to cuss them out. Sometimes we may want to do things that are ungodly. Do I have any witnesses on today? I know I'm not the only one. I know we've all been running for Jesus a long time, but dedication is never forced. It must be voluntary. Paul wrote to Timothy uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. He says, wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. He was probably acknowledging his own need of continually stirring up fire of the zeal for God. This is doubtless true in our own experience also. Every saved person needs exhortation or encouragement, urging to do something, as well as instruction for Christian living. So as we look at our text on today, we should understand that salvation by grace through faith obligates the believer to serve God. Paul, he writes here that I appeal to you or I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or the New Revised Standard Translation say is your spiritual worship. We should find ourselves living for God. Under the religious system familiar to Paul's readers, animal sacrifices were presented to God and were consumed by fire on the altar. And no longer is there a need for animal sacrifices, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. It lets us know that in Romans chapter 10, verse 4. The call now is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. By body, Paul probably means oneself. The New English Bible translates it as your very selves. And all that the believer does in this life, he does in and through his body. The tense of the verb present indicates that the sacrifice is to be once and for all time, all of oneself for all time dedicated to God. There's a story of a young lady. She was sitting in uh, worship service, just like we are now in the offer. It was time for offering and the offering plate was passed to the little girl and the little girl, she took the tray and she placed it on the floor and she stood in the offering plate. And the usher gave her a strange look and she said, honey, why did you do that? And the little girl looked back up at her and she said, because they taught me in Sunday school that my whole body was to be offered to the Savior. The little girl, she had it on point that she was the one who belonged in the tray and that God does not want just our donations. And when we find ourselves presenting sacrifices to the Lord, he's not just looking at the sacrifice, but he's also looking at our heart. If we don't have our hearts right, if we don't have our minds and our spirits right, there's really no point in presenting the sacrifice to God. And that was part of the trouble in the Old Testament when they were presenting the sacrifice, these animals to God. God was not concerned about necessarily the sacrifice. He was concerned more about the repentant heart of the individual. He tells us to live for God, but he also says to be holy. Christians are considered saints. Paul so addressed this in Romans 1. He says Christians belong to God and thus are holy people. In the primary sense of the word holy, God sanctified them at the time of their salvation. That is, he claimed them as his own. And at the point of our salvation, we were claimed by God as his own. We belong to God. The position of the believer in Christ can be illustrated by a dot within a circle. The believer is completely encircled by God. But he also lets us know here in verse one, be acceptable unto God. What is the sacrifice that is well-pleasing to God? The author of Hebrews rightly perceived that there is no inherent merit in animal sacrifices. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats shall take away sins. And as I stated before, many believe that because they were presenting this sacrifice, this animal sacrifice to the Lord, they were making everything okay. But if their heart was right, it was not acceptable by God. What should be our motive for consecration to God? It says, therefore, by the mercies of God, therefore is an arrow pointing in two different directions. 
God's mercies are many, but preeminently the merciful God through Jesus the Christ has provided salvation for all sinful people. And he offers it as a free gift of grace to all who believe. And because we believe in God through Jesus the Christ and believe that Christ was able to wipe away our sins, then we should live our lives for God in a great and mighty way. This gift of salvation gives the redeemed the right standing before God. He gives us union with Christ and new life in which the Holy Spirit abides within to give guidance and direction, peace with God and assurance that he or she will live on eternally with God in heaven. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that the one who died for all and therefore all died and he died for all, that those who live should not longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Other motives Paul might have urged us to enlighten our self-interest, Jesus did not hesitate to use his motive and his appeal for people to give their hearts to God. He urged people to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust shall corrupt, where thieves do not break nor steal. As kingdom disciples, as believers of God through Jesus the Christ, we should be living our lives in a way that we should be focused more on our spiritual nature than our physical nature. And everything about our lives, as we allow the Lord to have lordship over every aspect of our life, we should be building up our treasure in heaven. Again, where neither moth nor rust shall corrupt, and where the thief shall not be able to break in and steal. We have assurance of salvation as well. The Apostle John, he wrote this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 34. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. And we say that we are believers of God through Jesus the Christ. If we say that we are kingdom disciples, we should be living our lives in a way that is pleasing unto God. Now, we're not going to always get it right. There are going to be some times where we mess up. There are going to be many times where we mess up, but God forgives us for our sins through Jesus the Christ. And we should know that once we are saved, we are always saved. But we also have to know that because we are saved, we should live our lives in a manner that is pleasing to God. And it lets us know again in 1 John that if we are not keeping his commandments, we might as well be called a liar and the truth is not in us. People who have not dedicated their lives to God must necessarily lack assurance. They don't know whether they're going to be saved. But there's also power of influence. One cannot have Christian influence unless he or she is a Christian. The possibility that the shadow of one's unchristian influence might cause a son or daughter to stumble should be a powerful force to cause one to be dedicated as a Christian. Matthew 5 and 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The way that we live our lives, people should see and we should be able to bear fruit that God is not just working on us, but he's also working through us. 
And as we live our lives in that manner, we're doing so to glorify God. But also, we see here in our text that salvation by grace through faith determines the believer's attitude toward the world. The writer here in Romans says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And if we took a negative standpoint, looking at don't be conformed to this world or this age, the alternate reading in the new, the revised standard version is an accurate translation. This present evil world or age is contrasted with the coming age in which God's will will be done. The tense of the verb means to stop being fashioned or formed by the present world. And we have to know that we are in the world, but we should know that we are not of the world. And we cannot allow the world to fashion or form who we are as believers. We should not allow the world to fashion or form who we are living as believers in Jesus Christ. We have to find ourselves living and being fashioned and formed by the word of God and believing who God says that we are. Phillips, with evident perception, translate, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. This present evil world, Christians are salt and light. The world needs all Christians, all believers, and all Christians. We need the world so that we can show what God is able to do in our life. Jesus' prayer in John, he says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So as we become believers in Jesus the Christ, we have to understand that we were taken from the kingdom of the enemy and we were placed into the kingdom of God. And as kingdom citizens, there's a certain way that we're supposed to live our lives. There's a certain way that we're supposed to walk, that we're supposed to talk, that we're supposed to live out our lives so that we're doing all that we can to show the world that God still sits on the throne. We take a positive look at verse 2. Again, not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We should allow God to remold our minds from within. Transform is the same word that's used in Matthew chapter 17, verse 2, and in Mark chapter 9, verse 2 talking about the transfiguration of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, it is used as a change of believers into the likeness of Christ from one degree of glory to another. The mind of Christ, which is the goal of the Holy Spirit, has in mind for redeemed people means not only that we think what Christ thinks, but we also that we have the same spirit that Christ had. So as we renew our minds through reading God's word as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us we should have the same mind that Christ had but we should also have the same spirit that Christ had doing all that we can to live for God doing all that we can to love our neighbors as we love ourselves doing all that we can to bear fruit that God is still alive and that God still reigns forevermore the writer here in Romans, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies 
as a living sacrifice. And when we think about a sacrifice, again, it was presenting an animal to God, which was dead. But if we think about a living sacrifice, that means that we have to die to ourselves each and every day. Each and every day that we rise, we should uh, submit to the Holy Spirit and ask the Lord to lead and guide us to direct us of who we're supposed to speak to, of what we're supposed to do or where we're supposed to go. And we should allow him to have rulership over every aspect of our life. And that's how we can live our lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship or our reasonable service. It's the least that we could do because of what God did in our lives, because God had grace and mercy upon us. It's the least that we could do because God looked out for us when we couldn't look out for ourselves. God delivered us, God sustained us, and God brought us through so many different things. It's the least that we could do for God. And we're able to do it because we're not being fashioned or formed by this world, this evil world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Each and every day we rise, we have to put on the full armor of God. And we have to ask the Lord to renew our minds each and every day. I don't know about you, but sometimes my mind gets cluttered with the cares of this world. Sometimes I'm thinking about so many different things, but when I think about all the things that God has done in my life, I have to ask him to renew my mind so I'm not consumed with the cares of this world. One proves by experience that God's will is good, that it's acceptable and perfect. The word prove here is the same word used in Peter, 1 Peter 1 and 7 to describe gold that has been tested by refining fire. The experiences of our life prove that God's will is good a supreme good. In the Beatitudes, Jesus equates happiness with holiness. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. One who with sincerity of heart serves God will keep on experiencing this reality and his goodness. Consecration to God is acceptable. That is, it is well pleasing to him. Once we are dedicated to God's will, we'll have some inner peace in our life. One consecrated to God finds that God's will is perfect, that it is mature, and it is complete. Consecration, it works. It brings the highest degree of personal satisfaction and spiritual achievement. To live life in accord with God's will is both wise and good. And such a life's blessing blesses the worshiper. It brings good to others, and it is acceptable to God. And that's what Jesus Christ did when he came down to this earth through 40 and two generations. He saw that we were in need of a savior. He saw that he was willing to give his all for us and he was willing to take his place on the cross. And he was willing because God is so good and his grace and his mercy endures to all generations. He was willing to present himself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And he understood that as he demonstrated that he present himself as a living sacrifice, we too would be able to present ourselves as living sacrifices. He was willing to take our place on the cross. He was willing to have nails put in his hands and in his feet. And he was willing to give up his spirit so we could be in a right relationship with the Lord. But he didn't stop there. He was willing to go to hell for us. 
And how many of us will be willing to go to the deep depths of hell to save some people that might not even want to be saved? But he was willing to do that. He was willing to sacrifice it all. He put it all on the line and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he was resurrected with all power in heaven and on earth. He was a living sacrifice. And he was not conformed to this world, but he showed us that we can live in this world and not be of the world, but we could be transformed each and every day by the renewing of our minds so that we can know the will of God, what is good and acceptable, perfect. And I'm so glad that Jesus Christ was willing to do that for us all so that I could be in a right relationship with the Lord. And if Jesus was willing to do that for me, what should I be willing to do for him? I should be willing to live my life according to his will and his standards because his will is good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. It's complete. And when I find myself living complete in God's will, we should be satisfied with what God has allowed us to go through. It's not always going to be easy. But Paul is here encouraging these believers that despite what you go through, Despite the circumstances that you find yourself in, despite the people that might surround you, he's urging them, as he says in verse one, I beseech you. He's pleading to them to live their lives pleasing unto the Lord, and he's giving them instructions for Christian living. So that's my encouragement for all of us today, that despite the things that we go through in life, there's going to be trial, there's going to be tribulations, there's going to be suffering that we experience. But I encourage you, I'm urging you to live your life as a living sacrifice unto the Lord, holy and acceptable to God, which is the least that we all can do. Not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we're able to discern the will of God, that will that is good, that is acceptable and which is perfect, is complete. And we'll have spiritual maturity and spiritual achievement knowing that God has worked things out on our behalf. So as we stand across this place on today, we just thank and praise God for all that he continues to do in our life. We trust that today's message has been inspiring and uplifting. Be sure to tune in next time for more of Kingdom Living 